because in the camps they wore uniforms from World War One. That's what they were given to wear. The militarization of society, that's what it's about. And I was going over some of the talks of Bush, Mr. Bush from his talks about the war on terror. And in one of them he did say, we shall hit the enemy. You understand who the enemy happens to be. We shall hit the enemy, he said, with all of the weapons at our disposal. And he also mentioned economic as well. So the economic system is part of weaponry, big part of weaponry. Back with more about it after this break. really what's going on as part of a big agenda and this is the century for a hundred years war and war entails a war of economics as well as military and we're seeing this played out we're living through it we're living through the alteration of a system a system that eventually will give teeth big teeth to the World Bank and the United Nations and out of it will come a, a global banking system, a centralized global bank, basically, to deal with the whole world. We're seeing that set up at the moment through these, these conglomerates like the, the Economic Union, where they're signing agreements. We're talking about signing this weekend, where if one country fails within the union, the rest of the countries must bail it out and so on, like a tennis ball going back and forth between countries. And they will loot every country in the process. The same thing will happen to the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, and maybe a few other countries in Latin America. They'll come together to discuss this combination in a central banking system. But all of these central banking systems under regions, as they call these big areas, these trading blocks, will be under a central World Bank authority and also they'll be ruled by the GATT Treaty, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs with their Star Chamber. This is really what it's all about. They're tidying up their operation and bringing it all together for the global society now that they're all interdependent as they call it. For years and years and years unions and people's pensions have been thrown into this big casino called the stock market. And the stock market puts your money all across the planet. Therefore, we are truly interdependent in that sense. Iceland went down and took billions of British pensions with it and charities and even townships were investing money where on earth, I don't know where they got the money from. They're always raising taxes. But they're investing money in Iceland because of the highest returns. They've lost it all. And this will continue and continue as the public get the message that something big must happen and there must be a big change. And this big change will affect their lives because we're all going to be asked to sacrifice. They love this idea of sacrifice, you see. 
And it's always the ordinary people who end up doing the sacrificing. We're going to sacrifice to bring in a whole new system combined with the ecology, with the greening of the planet, with carbon taxes, with duties to society, duties to the world state, and all the rest of it. But in the meantime, we must go through a few other more crises of riots and so on before we can get to that. Because this is to be a brave new world scenario that comes out at the end of chaos. A much reduced population that will go through into the next age, as they like to term it. I remember once reading a book that was called Waves of Theosophy, where they had this particular guru who would answer his students in these, these very mystical, ambiguous terms and, and, and answers he'd give them about the waves of theosophy that's borrowed right from Hinduism. In fact, it is Hinduism, where they believe that the evolved ones, those who are more evolved than others, come through into a new age while the old type die off. And they say it's a law that all the old type, the ones who are unfit to come through, must die off because they'll contaminate those who do go through. What they're telling you, too, is that if you come through with old ideas, you will not belong. Old values, you are contaminated. You're not evolved enough. You don't believe in moral relativity where everything is all right. You have no absolutes. People with no absolutes will come through, supposedly, but all the rest must perish. It's Darwinism as well, because Darwinism was another front put out there to destroy the old religions and bring in this scientific age, where then they give you their scientific religion. And that's what science is today. It's a religion based on theories and beliefs. Like all dominant religions, or when they become dominant, they demand your immediate obedience and utter obedience in everything they say to you. And we're seeing that happening now with governments chomping at the bit to have us all inoculated, to have us all weighed and measured, to have our brains mapped, psychological testing to see if we harbor terrorist thoughts, and so on and so on. This is all part of the brave new world scenario. If you were to take the law of averages and see how many things could cause you absolute horror at one time, it would be impossible to dream up all the stuff they've conjured up. We're at war for a hundred years, supposedly, across the world. They haven't told you all of the plan because it won't take a hundred years to take over the Middle East. The war is to change all of society into utter, planned, Obedience, a planned society. Society where you do not pick the mate that you want to breed with. That will be illegal. Especially when the top characters who run this whole show in their own religion, religion do believe in eugenics. They believe in superior types and inferior types. They believe that poverty itself is genetic. It's in your genes. And here we are being told that we have to prepare for plagues, terror all over the place, we have to give up all our rights and be spied upon, 
monitored, psychologically tested, etc. They're even talking about, oh my God, what will we do if an asteroid comes in? All these what-ifs are supposed to terrify us and to make us feel that every day is so unsafe. How can we go on without their help, the shepherds who will guide us? And sure enough, most folk follow them. They never learn. Here is George Bush, a descendant, a direct descendant of a man who helped finance Adolf Hitler in charge, supposedly, of the U.S. when the economy is crashing. Does that make you feel safe? Doesn't a bell go off somewhere in your head when you understand what's really going on? You're seeing the same type of Nazi-type regime continue with the same old antics. Look at who's around President Bush. Look at who they are. Look who they trained under and who taught them. A man who was sent over from Germany to teach the Nazi doctrine. But the press don't harp on these little points, do they? Everything must seem very, very real to the general public. And they must believe that this man of the moment is going to pull us through some way or another. But out of it, you will get a new deal. They always give you a new deal. And the new deal is that whatever cash you happen to hold, it will be worth at least half, maybe even less, half its present value if you come through this. And the government, who is now buying banks, and buying shares in banks, you don't have to buy the whole bank. Governments only need a few shares in any institution before they have a foot in the door. They remember what they've been after for ages and ages and ages. That was for the government to have a complete lifeline down to you, a pipeline to you, where they can decide what you eat and what you buy, what kind of taxes you pay according to your carbon output, all of this kind of nonsense, the total control over the individual, over your money. And if the government controls your money directly to you, each and every one of you, then you are under the worst totalitarianism the world has ever seen. That's what it's about. And the governments across the world are all following suit. Why are they following suit? It's because it's a pre-planned agenda. They all know their parts in it. You cannot bring on a world depression suddenly. It doesn't happen that way. You can't say in any government they didn't know what was going on. They do know what's going on. It takes cooperation even to pull all of this off across the world. We saw the same governments all go into action with the anti-terrorism laws at the same time. The same anti-terrorism laws. That took years and years and years of pre-negotiations to set up. That's called organization. And they come out together as a united front. And now you're going to see every leader of every country coming out in this united front with the same agenda. And it will be to go into, as I say, a system where ultimately, when you read through the gobbledygook, you're reduced to being a servant of the world state. It's bad enough for businesses who spend half their day, little businesses, small businesses, half their day, 
filling in forms for government before they can do any work. But wait until the government is in charge of your bank account. Because then they want to see what you're eating and they want to tell you what you should be eating according to your body type and so on. They'll be telling you you've got a diet. In fact, they'll cut your money back unless you, unless you do diet. That eventually, step by step, is what was going to come out of this. Bertrand Russell, 50 years ago, a big player who helped set up much of the plans, the future plans for the agenda, that the government will eventually give you credit and hold them back. Don't behave yourself. Use this punishment and reward. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, this big, multi-layered, fake reality we're all conditioned into believing. And it's been done through centuries of propaganda, indoctrination, and eventually the scientific methods which they use today. Bertrand Russell once again said scientific indoctrination would bypass the parental input of degenerate or obsolete morality. Therefore, the children would not be contaminated. The state would give the children their values. This was to be followed up by media. And we know nowadays entertainment is really the key, video games and all the rest of it. But it's so deceptive, it's tremendously deceptive because the public always go to sleep in times of plenty. And it's in times of plenty when the big, real groundwork is being done, the building up of non-governmental organizations and the financing of them into existence, into prominence, the gradual acceptance by the public through repetition through the media of the validity of these NGOs as though there's some kind of special governmental arm. In a sense, they are, but they're private organizations. We don't elect them in. They're funded by the big foundations. The foundations that compromise the funding assets to them and these, corporate, these big foundations are all connected. They're all on the same path towards this new world order. Look at the documentation that comes out of some of them at the Ford, the Carnegie and the Rockefeller Foundation and Institute. Look at what they print up themselves as to where they wish to take the world. Now, we don't elect these people, but they have the ears of government. In fact, many of their members are in government. It's the same with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the ones who started off the big push to use the, the base of the British Empire for global government and then realized they'd have to allow America to do it because they had the financing and the manpower. Therefore, they created the Council on Foreign Relations and these characters are the heads of, they are the CEOs of international corporations. And when not wearing that hat, they pop into their jobs as politicians and leaders of their countries back and forth in musical chairs from CEO heads to politicians. So we are run by a type of fascism. And Quigley himself said it was a parallel government, a secret government, a really run 
the countries of the West. And that is no more true than today. They certainly are running the whole show. And the only organizations that governments listen to today, it's not the general public, it's not real grassroots, small organizations, it's only the big, well-funded NGOs who pretend to speak on behalf of the public. That's the way the game is played. They're all heading towards what they think is a utopia, a utopia where technology will be the answer to everything. But what they don't mention is the fact they can't bring everybody into this utopia because there are too many base people out there who don't fit the bill. You don't measure up. You're inferior, in other words. Therefore, we have to go through a period of depopulation. And somehow, magically, all, all the good people, the right people, will come through and get into this brave new world, this Logan's Run scenario where they can live inside their technology and their big tech cities. And machines will do all the work, supposedly. That's the lie that's been sold to lots of people even at the bottom. The New Agers are very guilty of it. They truly think if they follow all the rules and regulations and be politically correct and very tolerant of everything, then somehow they'll magically be chosen to go through. The Human Genome Project was part of this too. Why do you think that a secret program was going on for many, many years to try and get everyone's DNA? See, it's not a matter of, of how good you are in any generation, any time in history. People are always good, you see, meaning they obey the laws of the land. Even as they're changing, they adapt to the new ones. That's not what they're talking about. You have to have the right genes to come through. Because we're dealing really with eugenics, the top of this. They do truly believe that the people at the bottom are an obsolete species have to retire and go under so that the fit can go on. That's what it's really all about. You have to read the writings of Blavatsky and Theosophy and the Nazi Party and the Soviet Union as well because the Soviets were working along the same straits. In fact, Hitler and Stalin had a pact and they both made speeches to each other and Hitler said, and Stalin said it back to him, we're really both the same. We're after the same objectives. They were both socialist. Socialism is not for the working people. It's a con game for the working people. Always was. But we like the term social. You're a social creature. There are always, uh, there's always a dominant minority that leads and heads these groups and lives off the rest. And it's only the dominant minority who know the true agenda, not the followers. The followers are always used. Just like the Masons, you, you make a tool to be used, and when it's done, you throw it away. I'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, recurring to the Matrix. Look what's happened since 9-11-2001, when the world went into this anti-terrorism legislation, all in the same boat, all on track, on board together. Pirates love to be on board. And look at the fact that we really have no privacy at the moment. Most folk don't mind, because they haven't had any comeback from their chatter and telephones or through the Internet. They have no comeback from the government at this moment. But everything is being monitored all the time. And that's another part of it, is training a public to accept that. So you don't think you have a right to privacy. The young people don't care for it much, apparently. As they're trained to put everything up on MySpace and all over the place, all their personal data, this is a situation that governments down through the ages could never have dreamed of. They'd want it and lust after it, but they could never have pulled it off. It took this great God science to help pull it off. And the public carry on as they're expected to with nonchalance. And yet, here's a quote, a quote that was given by a senator, which applies to today. The capability of the National Security Agency any time could be turned around on the American people and no American would have any privacy left. Such is the capability to monitor everything, telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide. There would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately it was done, is within reach of the government to know. I don't want to see this country ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America, and we must see to it that this agency, the National Security Agency, and all other agencies that possess this technology operate within the law and under proper supervision, so that we never cross over that abyss. That is the abyss from which there is no return. That is the abyss from which there is no return. And that was said by Senator Frank Church from Idaho, investigating the National Security Agency in 1975, quoted by Nat Hentoff in The Village Voice. People knew not so long ago of the dangers that were coming because these characters were pushing even then for total access to all information. But... He went back to sleep and had a good time as the credit cards flew. And my God, did it ever fly? The, com- the companies were throwing credit cards out at anyone and everyone, telling you to just go and be happy and play, children. And children of all ages, up to adulthood, up to senility, just played their lives away and sucked at the teat of television, keeping themselves stupefied. And now they're waking up. And what a nightmare it happens to be. Unfortunately, as I say, it was planned this way. The outcomes, I'm sure, are all planned as well. We're living through a big business plan. A big, big business plan. I was looking at the, it was the um, guardian.co.uk yesterday. When they were talking about the banking crisis live, shares tumble, and it goes down the page. 
giving you all the bad news, then it comes to George Bush trying to calm the panic. He announced steps to root out fraud. He announced steps to root out fraud in the markets. The market's always been fraudulent. In fact, the banking system is fraudulent. There's nothing there. It's all numbers in computers and fractional reserve banking. One-tenth of deposits is kept. The rest is loaned out over and over and over again. It's one big balloon. It can go on forever. And if they wanted to at the top, they could have made it go on for years and years and years more, if they wish to, because it's been fraudulent all along. The reason it's, it's being hailed as a crisis today is because it's time for them to recreate their own system and move it into the next step. But getting back to what Mr. Bush was saying, I have to laugh at what he said. He said, the United States government is acting. Well, I've said they've been actors all along. And all they do is read scripts. The United States government is acting. We will continue to act to resolve this crisis and restore stability to our markets. We can solve this crisis, and we will. Yet they will solve it because they brought it on. It's planned that way. It says here, too, markets are normally held in equilibrium by the balance of fear and greed. And that is true. Fear and greed. That's what runs this big casino. It's like watching a juggler, a juggler at a circus who tumbles the balls round and round in a circle to keep some going. It's a big act. That's all it is. Fear and greed to keep it going. And they can keep the fear and greed going forever, as I say, because it's worked for since the Bretton Woods Agreement. When the media goes into overdrive to make the public panic, it's part of the agenda. That's what we must always bear in mind and sit and wait for them. Now, they're going to also use this economic crisis as one of the, the next nails in the coffin for the American Union to hammer down the lid and seal it tight. They'll tell us we have to merge to compete with the rest of the world. They already told us that with when the terrorism legislation came through and they called it Fortress America, we had to integrate our security systems together or special security agencies, and even uh, departments of the bureaucracies of both federal governments, and even share taxes and tariffs and all the rest of it. Well, this is the next step, total economic integration, and a central bank for the Americas, one for Europe, one for the Pacific Rim region, under a world bank. That's what will come out of it. And the banks, as I say, We'll be holding everyone else's accounts, all the citizens' accounts. And with that will come your teachers, your new teachers who come down to tell you how to live and what to eat and what to wear and how much exercise you must take and all the rest of it. Totally controlled society. I could go on with all the articles, but what's the point? Because they all reiterate the same stuff over and over and over again to tell us to panic. So we'll go to the phones, and there's Lou from Pennsylvania there. Are you there, Lou? Hi, Alan. Yes. I'm interested in the concept of dates and the significance of dates. 
Yeah. I seem to remember you saying some weeks ago that October 24th might be such a date. Did I hear you correctly on that? Yeah, because uh, they love October. See, in the mystery religion, October is the month uh, ruled by Scorpio. And Scorpio uh, is a scorpion, which stings the sun, the kiss of death, uh, as the sun passes through its house. And so it's always uh, a symbol of the end of a system or an age or something like that, you see, and the heralding of a new one. So October uh, has been a famous date for revolutions as well. You had the, the, the Communist Revolution, uh, Red October. You also had uh, the Black October uh, uh, in 1929 when they gave us the last Great Depression. And then you had Black uh, Thursday and then Black Monday and Tuesday uh, that, that sealed it all together. So October is very, very important to them. A revolu- Remember, these are the masters of revolutions. And what they're doing right now is the start of a revolution to go into another uh, brave new world area. And that's really why they choose these particular... They could have given us this last January or before, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is the significance related to the zodiac or the n- numbers themselves? Or are there other connections to nature or the intrinsic nature of things to the numbers? Yeah, you will. You'll always find numbers are very important to them. They have different, even the lower masons are taught basic stuff. You'll see them going around and counting the flutes on columns and pillars and all that. And they're given one set of reasons. And as they go up the ladder, they'll say, well, that's true, but here's the higher truth. They're given another set. So the ones at the bottom don't really know what's going on. They think they do. But the higher ones do have the higher meanings, and they do love dates. They certainly do. Uh, and they love um, the astronom- astronomical years and the great zodiac as well. Mm-hmm. Bush Senior uh, said himself, uh, along with his New World Order speeches, he said mm-hmm. everything is going to the divine heavenly plan. He never explained that, what he meant to the public. They used the zodiac as a time clock for mm-hmm. different phases of their agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks for coming. So we'll take Steve from New York. Is Steve Hello? there? Hello, Steve. Hey, how are you, sir? I'm hanging I in. And yeah, I actually, a, uh, I yeah. kind of know what's going on. I remember a uh, old actor film called Sneakers from uh, the 90s. It's ones and zeros, Marty, nowadays. Yeah. Um, I happened to talk to a financial programmer here in New York, and he was saying that uh, software algorithms were implemented behind the scenes from the top down and instantly being introduced at the same time. Um, he believes that the, uh, these algorithms uh, caused the banks to fail at the same time in synchronicity and how um, I thought that how everything is interconnected because of this. Uh, since it's all software, the machines are in control, um, there's really no human interaction with the financial markets. It's all kind of planned. Yeah. Yeah, so I... I, I found that interesting um, and I think that in terms of financial system and dollars and ones and zeros it's all kind of made up um, yep. the barter system probably will come back yep. once the once the fall of everything happens but um, 
you know, you've woken me up to a certain aspect in terms of interconnectedness, how I read the uh, Financial Times and look at the papers and every morning and, you know, the European, the British, the U.S. banks all kind of follow the same game at the same time. And I just thought that was hilarious. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's impos- it'd be impossible otherwise for everything to happen at the same time and, uh, and for them all to come out with the same solutions at the same time. Uh, that takes a med- a mer- amazing um, uh, connectivity. They're all connected together. That's the key to it. Yeah. yeah. I, I just thought, you know, it's, you can laugh at it at the same time as being terrified, but, yes. um, you know, like I say, just uh, once you wake up and realize that, you know, it's all kind of planned, you kind of step back and say, all right, well, what can I do? How can I survive in this and uh yeah it's it's uh it's kind of hard to deal with at first but you know at the end i think once you realize what's happening um uh it it seems to be some sort of joke yes it is in Um, a sense it is a big joke i mean the big boys are laughing at the public we are reacting the way they expect us to react with no choice but to do it since we are living in a system they gave us it's not a natural system yeah, yeah I, I see that 100%. And um, I think the time's coming up for me to uh, donate another, uh, uh, if I can, $100 to you. Um, every year I try to uh, give um, to your cause. So um, I appreciate, appreciate everything that. and uh, great show. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah, and for those who want to help, out, look into my website, cuttingthroughmatrix.com where you can donate because they've really been dropping off over weeks and weeks. And I, it takes money to keep all of this going. And uh, my job is not to terrify the public. In fact, those who have really woken up realize that this war has been going on their whole life long. They just didn't know it. That takes part of the panic away when you realize it's ongoing. I'll be back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Yvonne from Nevada. I think we've got Yvonne on the line. Hello? Hello. I am a first-time caller. Yes. And I have been listening, if you've been monitoring. Uh-huh. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, you were talking about uh, bloodlines a lot. Yeah. Um and how they will be um, the ones who um, survive. But I'm, I'm confused about the bloodlines because um, the way I was taught, uh, we used to call them blue bloods in, yeah. in my day, mm-hmm. and they were all of the royal families. Mm-hmm. Um, right. yeah. But... My question is, how does Rock of, uh, Rothschild uh, play into this? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that he is a blue blood now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's married into royalty. His lineage has married into royalty. Yeah, Even but, after but, the Rothschilds became famous. I have no doubt it was already ongoing before they were made famous. So um, he now has the same blood as they? 
Oh, yes. Uh-huh. I know that there was a lot of mixing of, of uh, blood, but I, I, you, you really caught me off guard, and that's, I've hesitated calling uh, trying to, to figure that one out because I thought, well, he really isn't a blue blood. He, he bought his way into royalty, and I really didn't think that the blue bloods, as, as we call them, uh, yeah. would accept uh, voluntarily anyway. Yeah, you can work your way into them through selective breeding if you follow what they, they say. And you can do the same in masonry, uh, the third generation mason. That's the one that, who's the son, where the mother is an eastern star, father is a mason. Uh, the previous father and mother were, were, were in the same organizations. Uh, you can also uh, get uh, work your way up through selective breeding because your wife is suggested to you, this is going to be your wife or she'd make a good wife. That's mm-hmm. the big hint they get. And... Uh, they can work their way up into higher orders and then into the noble orders. To, but it's all to do with eugenics, as I say, yeah. So Rothschild worked his way in with them? I, as I said already, um, he was definitely intermarrying yeah. with, uh, with royal uh, cousins and so on uh-huh. uh, after he became famous, and I would not be surprised if, if he'd already been doing it. He was probably the descendant of people who'd been doing it for centuries before he was made famous. These guys were, were they didn't start in a ghetto, uh, very, very poor. These guys had long lineages uh, down through the centuries, these particular uh, select families, yeah. Yeah, I followed uh, uh, Rothschild uh, pretty much all bigger part of my life. And yes. Um, because, I mean, old, old okay, Amstel as let well. Me, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. It's my opinion uh, from following it since 71 um, that I I always tell people that Rothschild is the head of the octopus. Um, And it's my opinion based on on what I know. um, You have have to hurry now because we're coming to the the show. Uh, But but he's he's not the the head of it. To control... Yeah, he's not the head of it. Uh, he's one uh, player, very good at finances, but he's not the head. And from Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, on this gloomy weekend, a dark weekend, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.